Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, X, and Rumble. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, onto the show. Come on, it's over here. Yo, what is it? Look at those markings. Hey, who's buried here? Is that a cave? What is it? Oh. It is a cave. Hey, I wouldn't go in there if I were you. Shh, listen. And the search continues here in the Southland for the four missing high school students from Malibu. Authorities are hoping that the contents of a video camera will help provide an explanation to the mysterious disappearance of the four teens reported missing. Seven years ago, four boys came up here and were never heard from again. Do you know what happened to them? I think I'm picking something up. Are you here with us now? What was that? Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 564. Releasing October 20 in theatres across the US is Malibu Horror Story, a supernatural horror mystery that tells the story of a team of paranormal investigators who search the sacred caves of Malibu for clues in the unsolved disappearance of four local teens. Ten years in the making, Malibu Horror Story offers a unique approach to the found footage horror movie with its blend of style, impressive craft, and engrossing storytelling. And for anyone out there who wants to find out about tickets, you can go to MalibuHorrorStory.com, check out um, links there, check out the trailer. I think you'll find it to be a really appealing move to watch, and it gets a big thumbs up from me. I'm working on my review later today, and I really recommend people check out this movie when it comes out. And joining me now is the director and writer of Malibu Horror Story, Mr. Scott Sloan. Scott, how are you today? Good. Thank you for that uh, amazing introduction. I'm uh, It's my pleasure to be number, you said 564? Yes, sir. Awesome. Um, I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I know, I'm sure right now, like you're doing all your press and all that for the film coming down in a few days. Ten years, man, uh, working on your movie. And it's incredible, you know, all of these episodes, all these years talking to filmmakers, just how long it does take to get these independent films off the ground. The interesting thing about Malibu Horror Story is that I've heard you refer to it as kind of like a Frankenstein of a movie in that it's got these different kind of um, elements to it. You can market it as a found footage movie, but it's got other stuff to it as well. And it seems to me that over those 10 years, what you were really doing was kind of like not only experimenting with different technologies and such into, you know, creating this movie, but also keeping an eye on kind of the trends in the horror market as well and trying to find the right time to release this. So what was that whole 10 years like for you? 
where there are moments of uh, pressure to get something out earlier, where there are moments of stress, because it seems to me that you did a really great job in kind of sticking to your guns and waiting for that right moment to right moments not only get creative, but to get kind of really smart in the way you want to release this film, make this film and get it uh, ready for people to watch it. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean, that's exactly what happened. It, it wasn't just about the the years of uh, struggle, the independent years of struggling to get it made. It was also about trying to cater it and, uh, you know, play along with both technology and both what was popular with horror audience, audiences or what was dying. So, mm. you know, for me, I think... You know, I mean, this this really started in 2009 with the with the scripting phase, and then 2010 with the very first version that was called Malevolent. Um, I can definitely say that you know, it, at least now it feels you know, it, I can't say it's the perfect time to release it. I mean, it's great that it's coming out in October around the Halloween time, so that 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 really helps. But I would say that you know, it time shaped this film and like it it's it feels like the right time because you know like i you know cl cl clearly you, you you said it and you know it's like there was multiple times when this film could have got released and it, it it just wouldn't have it either wouldn't have resonated or it wouldn't have it wouldn't have gotten a, a a wide release especially not a theatrical release i just mean like you know people people it probably wouldn't have had a lot of eyeballs on it. So it's really nice that we were able to do, you know, a year and a half of festivals and kind of that again is a test audience. You know, when you, when you finish a film, if you take it to a test audience and you, you ask for br brutal honesty, they fill out these forms anonymously. You're, you're reading these forms and you're like, wow, okay, this guy hates this. He likes this. And you start to line up all the stuff that people like and all the stuff that people hate. And, you know, as a filmmaker, when you're, when you're, if you're making like a very artistic piece, a lot of times, everybody's opinions go out the window. But when you're making a piece that you want to be slightly commercial, you do need to take into account your audience and what they like and don't like. I mean, it's they're the ones that are going to buy tickets to go see it. They're the ones that are going to rent it and, you know, stream it. So for me, it's like, it's one of those things where I feel really good. And it's like a big weight off my, my shoulder for this film in particular. I have a lot of catching up to do. So you're going to see a lot of movies come out after this for me. But yeah, it's, it it, it is a crazy thing to say that, you know, this started in 2009. And like I said, that's, that's the struggles of independent filmmaking and trying to make something that, you know, hopefully appeals to a broader audience. The whole found footage movie genre to me is really interesting in that, you know, I think especially in the last several years, filmmakers have gotten really creative in a way you can really approach this genre and present it on screen. Um, because the scene for a while there, whether, you know, I don't know, true, true or not, but it kind of felt like a limited kind of form of storytelling. But I think lately there are movies that have come out over the last few years that really taken the found footage thing and, and done so, so many things with it. And in regards to your movie, you do really unique things with the found footage format in a film in that it, it's it's kind of like not only did you call it like a Frankenstein movie, to me it's kind of like a Russian doll of a movie. There's a movie within a movie within a movie, right? There's layers to it. That kind of approach of a movie within the movie within the movie, when did that moment kind of click for you that you knew that um, not only did you have to do something creative with the with the prime footage that you had when it was called the Malibu tapes, it was just only the found footage stuff on its own, That, but also that you knew that or you had a feeling that I need, I can release this stuff, but I need to do something else with it to kind of just get that kind of hook in and separate my found footage stuff with the other found footage things that have come out in the last um, several years or so. Yeah, I think it, there was a, 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 a time when I felt like a lot of the found footage movies 
um, it was 2015, 2016 when the box office, uh, especially just theatrical found footage and kind of big budget found footage, I guess you can call it, even though studios were calling them micro budget, it was around 2015, 2016 that I noticed the decline was happening pretty rapidly because, you know, they got popular pretty rapidly too after Paranormal and the, the decline happened. It was like a bubble that kind of burst. And when it went underground, um, I knew I couldn't do a lot of the found footage movies that I was seeing at that time that were kind of the underground indies. I knew I couldn't do that with the footage I already had. I couldn't start over mm. from scratch. I had to kind of take the footage that I already had and do something with it. And I think it was around 2017, 2018 that um, the true crime and ghost hunters shows got really popular that it was like, it was like kind of a light bulb and YouTube as well. YouTubers. I, I was watching a whole lot of just YouTube and mm. I was so impressed with how professional uh, some of these YouTube uh, YouTubers like podcasts and shows and just reviews and stuff like that were. And uh, the ghost hunting thing became a serious uh, you know, profession for a lot of people. And so talking with a lot of those people, I mean, the guy who made the, the, the spirit box for our movie and a lot of the props that we use came from a lot of these professionals. It, it kind of just like a light bulb that clicked that said, hey, if you can put it inside of this kind of format and kind of disguise it, so to say, and as long as the, the, the it feels still all the same picture, you know, because what I didn't want to happen is someone look at this and go, hey, man, this this feels like 18 different movies that you clearly shot over 18 different years. I didn't want that to happen. I wanted it to feel somewhat seamless, as, as seamless as I could get it at least. And so I think it was around that time that I realized like, you know what, there's people doing new things with found footage that maybe I'd want to do, but I just can't with the footage that I have. So what I can do is kind of make this Frankenstein of a piece that really has every aspect of found footage, you know, and try try to at least deliver it to you differently so that maybe even if you weren't a found footage fan, you would watch it going, hey, you know, I, I still enjoyed the movie. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, TeePublic is sure to have something you will love. Please support Matt's Movie Reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. I think um, something that the film does really well, whether intentional or not, it kind of taps into the whole kind of reaction video trend that's been happening over the last couple of years in YouTube as well. I personally love watching reaction uh, video channels because um, sometimes when I watch um, someone watching a movie that I've seen before and they're watching it for the first time, it might sound kind of weird, kind of, but it kind of feels like I'm watching it for the first time through their eyes. You know, it's, it's kind of a weird way like that. And there is an element of that in the film as well, where you kind of uh, are aware of that as well, that what you're, what you're kind of making is um, uh, with these younger, with a younger cast of characters um, that you're kind of tapping into what their daily watching is like, which is just watching other people watch things. Absolutely, yeah, and and I think I think there's moments in the film, especially when say when we're in the tent with the um, investigators watching on the laptop. I really felt like uh, even shooting that, I, I felt pretty. Um, I felt pretty confident that I was, you know. 
at least going to make you feel like you were there with them. And whether you call it a voyeur thing or just like, like you said, like this weird inception thing where you're watching somebody react, you're learning through them. There's like this other wall that you're going through first. So, you know, stuff like that, I try to incorporate as much as possible because I, I am like you too. I, I do, I do agree with that, that I, I really do like to watch things that way. And just anything that you you feel, because found footage is always that, right? The character, the, the camera is always a character essentially, right? You know, unfortunately, like in this, it wasn't until like three viewings in that I noticed that our lead, uh, the guy who played Jake Torrance, you barely see him in the movie. Mm, and okay. I didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't even realize that until the edit was done and maybe three or four screenings into a film festival that I realized I was like, man, you know, he, he's behind the camera the whole time. And, and he literally was right behind the camera the whole time. Now, of course, there's a cinematographer and there's the lenses. And I use, you know, I use big, big, huge cameras on this. But it, it, it was one of those things where, like, there's certain things I didn't catch till afterwards. And I was like, man, you know, because that camera is supposed to be him. It's supposed to be another character. And then to take it to another level with the the investigator kids putting it on the laptop and watching it with them. Those are the only things that I could really come up with. I was like, okay, this is going to at least help put you in there. And especially when you find out things that you find out while you're in that tent and you're in the cave, you start to realize, oh, man, this is this is this is this is bad news. So. The Malibu uh, of the title, um, as a, as an outsider, myself, an outsider looking in Malibu just seems like a really interesting place where on one end of the spectrum, it really seems like a place of influence, a place of celebrity, where all these kind of celebrities like, you know, have, have houses there and such, all the way back to the days of uh, Johnny Carson and other people uh, of that era. Um, but then on the other end, you've got these canyons and caves and underneath the earth there is like the, the remnants of a brutal history, like there's blood and bone underneath the surface there, which is something that really kind of comes up. Um, in, in your movie as well. How important in regards to the whole Malibu aspect of the film was tapping into the history of that territory, especially in regards to kind of like the um, the whole kind of, um, I don't want to give away too much here. I'm just trying to think of the trailer to see if I, if I am. But um, if if I am, just let me know. The kind of like more Native American kind of like approach of it in the history of, of that area. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it it was, at first it started off, it, it wasn't Malibu by choice. It was Malibu because of some of the stories I had heard. It was more Santa Barbara. It's more kind of Santa Barbara. Malibu has a lot too, but a lot of the stories I was hearing and a lot of the research I did and going up there to Malibu, to the canyons, to the caves, to the cliffs, to Santa Barbara, same deal. I kind of just started realizing that I was like, you know, this, this is where it should take place because it... I also was looking for something different than woods. A lot of the wood mm. stories or the Wendigo yeah. stuff, I'd heard those things too many times. And, and you know, when we did do the screen uh, testing, we had a little bit of the story or the lore, or the, the 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 backstory in there. And people really liked that. And they gravitated towards that. And they they didn't like boys running through woods with backpacks and camping and stuff because they had seen that too much. And so the cave thing and you know the portals and the rocks and these the, the 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 research that was done into that that came about just because i felt like um it hasn't been done much and of course you know america has a history so you know there's mm -hmm. there's there's certain things that are just naturally there so it, it was one of those things where i felt like it was the perfect setting it could have been th there's there's stuff that happens at like say skinwalker ranch in utah but that's been done a whole lot and there's mm -hmm. there is um a lot of stuff in new mexico as well just the american west um, but I felt like Malibu and, and, you know, I think maybe it was also uh, other producers saying, Hey, Malibu is a, a, 
uh, a name that people are going to know uh, all across the world potentially. So I think that also played a part into it as well. The supernatural aspects of the film are you know, incredibly chilling. The I guess you could call them I don't know uh, demonic forces or, or or what have you in the film are so the um, physical representation of those are done through two actors. One of those actors is Troy James. And I've seen Troy in movies before. I think the first time I've seen him, he was in a film called um, Anything for Jackson. And the first time that he popped on screen in a way that he could contort his body and do all the stuff that he did just scared the piss out of me, as he did in this movie as well. When you're dealing with, uh, when you have uh, independent production, but you want to put something on screen that's really freaky and supernatural, how how awesome is it to be able to tap a guy like a Troy James who can do these things on camera, on cue, um, do this freaky stuff, and you can be able to capture it like live like that? I'm sure it would have been a blast watching him doing this, do the stuff that he does. Yeah, so it, it's like twofold if you think about it. So one, it's just incredible to see in person. I mean, how... He hadn't done, I don't, I hadn't seen any of his movies. He, I don't think any of his movies had been released yet. I saw him because of uh, a, a Canada's version of America's Got Talent. Um, uh, yeah. He, he performed on that and I didn't even see his performance. I saw him, his, I saw a clip of him backstage of that show. And backstage, he was doing his thing, scaring all the producers. And, you know, this goes back to The Exorcist. This goes back to any kind of, any kind of uh, 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 films that are over the years that have had somebody perform maybe, or, or, you know, done things with their body that you haven't seen before. And, and, and I was like, okay, this is scaring me. And I know it works because it's worked in the past. And, you know, I think the, 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 the twofold part of it, you know, you meet the guy, he's just the nicest guy ever. I mean, he's really the nicest guy ever and he's, he's willing to do whatever. And, you know, when you're on an independent budget and you're not, you don't have the, you know, money for special effects or, or, or really you're not trusting in special effects so much because you want to try to get it all practical. He's also an extreme budget saver. You know what I mean? Mm, like he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's bringing that budget down because he can do in, in one shot in this film, you know, I, we, we won two special effects war, awards during the festival circuit. And I, I mm -hmm. wanted to give them back because they were like, Hey, this is for that one scene. And I was like, guys, that's that was not special effects. That was actually Troy James doing this. And so well, that, the, that really Tro shows the how The funny awesome thing is that Troy is like a walking special effect, right? That's what's so, so fantastic. He is. About him. <laughs> he is. He is. He is. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, it was a pure joy. And like I said, it it, it was the perfect, uh, it was the perfect person at the perfect time for the perfect uh role, I thought. Final question. 10 years into making films coming out, you've had festival screenings. When you show a film to a cinema and they're reacting the way you want them to react and you're getting these really good notices, good reviews, and now the movie's coming out for, you know, general release, I think it's going to like almost around uh, 200 plus theatres now around the US. What feelings do you have? Is it relief? Is it pride? What type of, what things are running through your mind now um, that uh, this film uh, is um, going to be out very soon? I mean, at the moment, it's it's still just a lot of work. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to say that I'm just hanging out or what. I mean, I'm in a hotel right now, uh, right next to the Chinese theater, actually, where we're going to be premiering. And I'm going theater to theater to do promotion. I mean, I got the shirt on right now. Mm. You know, I'm I'm I am I am you know doing the promotion right now. So I can definitely say that it's still work. But maybe after this weekend, it would be some relief. I think the thing that a lot of people 
you know, would say is after 10, 12 years, it's like, yeah, there is a big wait. And there absolutely is. Like when I got to go to the first film festival screening and watch it with an audience, there there was a, a special feeling there of relief and just like, wow, this is cool. And to see your movie play, it's my first feature too, you know, and 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 to see it play in front of a, an audience or with an audience and to see people be scared. I mean, when you're editing these films and when you're putting the film together, you have no idea what people are going to think. I honestly was like, I don't think we're even going to get into some of the festivals. Festivals aren't so easy to get into nowadays. You know what I mean? There's mm. so many movies being made. So, so, you know, the the from from the audiences to the critics and, and like i said everybody respects that it's an indian that's really nice don't you know they're not putting us in the category with the conjuring or insidious you know what i mean the new modern one so it, it's been very very nice and i'm i'm very excited to to see how it goes from here you know what i mean I, i'm more excited for for you know after the States, seeing it go international and seeing how because i know we did the uk we did a couple um we did Grimfest. We did a couple other places and, and, and people really enjoyed it there. And like I said, I want to go to Latin America. I want to go to a lot of places that maybe I didn't get a chance to during the festival circuit and see how it plays. Um, so yeah. And then when it goes streaming, especially when it goes like worldwide streaming, that's, that's going to be the part where I'll probably have my true, true relief. Cause then the job is done. Cause I still have to do so much more for the movie from now until then. But, but yeah, there is a, Sometimes you stay too busy that you don't get to take a moment and step back and look at it, you know, from an outsider. You're just so in the moment each time working on everything that you never really get to take a step back. So I could say that, yeah, it's special and it's it's very cool, but uh, it's still just a lot of work. It feels like the work never ends. Well, i got to say that uh, you did really great work with Malibu Horror Story and everyone out there listening. October 20, go get tickets. Malibu horrorstory.com the film film will show in over uh, 200 theaters watch this film in theaters we need people to go to the cinema and watch indie films in theaters especially now it's horror time let's get your scare on let's go out there and watch a really good scary movie because that's what you're going to get with Malibu Horror Story and Scott Sloan congratulations with the film best of luck to you and I look forward to see what you're going to do afterwards I know you're probably holding on to a lot of different projects and probably got a lot of things in the fire so you know when that when those uh, films come out as well we'd love to talk to you again I would love to chat with you again. Yeah, and I have one in post-production right now, so <laughs> hopefully we'll chat soon.